0: Please be seated for the reading of our Lord's Passion history. We continue in our reading from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 22nd chapter, beginning with verse 31. As we left off last week, we are still in the upper room with our Lord following the institution of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three, deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, Nothing. Then he said to them, But now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer... And had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Here ends the reading of our Lord's Passion History. Thanks be to God. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, as we meditate upon our Lord's passion this evening, we thank you for the willingness of your Son to place himself in such harm's way on our behalf, even the harm of everlasting death, in order to rescue us and save us, that we might now belong to your kingdom of light, the kingdom of hope, and the kingdom of heaven. Strengthen us in this faith this evening, we pray that your Holy Spirit would enter our hearts to lead us into a deep and sincere repentance of our sins and comfort us again with the marvelous grace you have given us through the work of your Son, our Redeemer. We pray it all in his saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and brought back to God by the suffering death and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's grace, kindness, and compassion are yours to be found solely in that Savior. Amen. The text for our meditation tonight is taken from the first paragraph of our Passion History reading, taken from Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Up in St. Paul, Minnesota... Uh, within about a half mile or so of the state capitol, you will find the governor's mansion. And it is located close enough to the, uh, to the, the uh, capitol building, knowing that you want the governor to be able to get over there quickly, back and forth for different things. And um, if you've ever seen that governor's mansion up on Summit Avenue, it was, it's really quite, quite, a, quite a place. a place the Romans had a similar idea when it came to the center of the city of Jerusalem knowing that that in the country of Israel uh, Jerusalem was really their capital city and the center of the city in Jerusalem was really the temple grounds and it was kind of the hub of everything uh, in the mind of Jewish people and so it, it really represented the heart of their culture so the Romans likewise uh, took over a building, probably a palace that had been built during Jesus' childhood, maybe, or before Jesus was born by Herod the Great, took over a building known as the Praetorium. And it was, it was now the commander's, um, the, the commander's post, if you will. And it was known that the Jewish people, especially the leaders of the Jewish people, like the members of the Sanhedrin, uh, would not want to go into the Praetorium but they would meet with him out on the pavement outside which is where the trial of barabbas will take place later on so it's right in this central location in if you will downtown in the sense uptown jerusalem being up on mount zion where the uh where our lord's trial will take place and in the text before us jesus is now prophesying ahead of some of the things that are going to happen in the next so many hours during his trial and while he's being moved back and forth uh, between the different trials that will take place. Artists have tried to kind of capture the the scene of Jesus looking back while he's under arrest, looking back at Peter and uh, Peter's disappointment in himself, often with a rooster off in the background. And that's certainly what our Lord is, is prophesying ahead as he's speaking to Peter here in the text before us. So, Hours before that incident takes place, uh, Jesus gives an insight here into the denial that Peter will have in that courtyard. And maybe on the surface, Peter's denial to us might seem like kind of an innocent thing. It's just words, right? It's just words. And uh, maybe something that is, is not really of any great consequence. But notice the attention that Jesus pays to that. Notice how firmly he speaks to Peter about the situation and the severity of the warning that he gives to him. And you can tell it in the seriousness of how he addresses him. It's not frequently that Jesus will use someone's name twice. Simon, Simon. It's like, you better pay attention to this. There's an emphasis on what I'm going to say when you begin, uh, anytime you talk to somebody and you use their name twice, that's an emphasis on what's coming. And now Jesus, through these words, allows us to kind of peer into the spiritual world, the spiritual realm that is actually there, but that we can't see. It's very rare that God gives us a glimpse, if you will, kind of behind the curtain into that spiritual realm. We see it in the first chapter of Job as well. And God now here tells what has, been, what has taken place, Uh, with Satan coming before God specifically about Peter and about a temptation that he wants to bring to him. And wanting permission from God. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Asking permission from God to now go and bring this heavy temptation onto Peter. And notice some things here. Notice the personal interest that the devil has in Peter. And it's not any different than he has in me or in you. Notice the personal interest that he has in trying to shake us out of our faith and take us away from Christ. And notice also how pointed and how focused his temptation is going to be. He doesn't just do a a blanket shotgun approach. He comes with specific temptations that he knows will get at this individual. In, In Peter's case, he goes to his pride, and he goes to the fact that he's, he's going to want it not to appear different than everybody around him, that he's going to want to blend in. So what are the weaknesses in me, what are the weaknesses in you that the devil knows about that he specifically wants to target to try to get you away from Christ and to fall away from God's grace? Now we see here in this text what we call theologically as the permissive will of God. That God God puts a certain leash on the devil and allows him a certain activity in this world and then says you can't go any further. But we see here the permissive will of God, and Jesus uses a very interesting image. He says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And we don't do that anymore, we just buy things that are already made for us. But in Jesus' day, you would take wheat and the kernel and you would put it in kind of like a screen or a big basket and you would shake it and shake it and throw it up in the air so that the chaff, they call it, would blow away the little husks and you would be left with the good kernels. It was a, was a a process that involved a vigorous shaking to make this happen. The devil has asked for Peter's soul to take him and shake him and to shake him up in order to in order to hopefully break him and so for the sake of his kingdom god allows us through the words of jesus to kind of look into this situation holy spirit didn't have to record this all this for us but he does specifically for me for you so that we understand what's going on behind the temptations that we get so we understand that the the danger that's actually there whenever we think it's a no-big-deal type situation in our lives. It's very easy for us to take our sins lightly. I know how I do. But notice how serious this is in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual realm, and what is actually going on behind the scenes. In times of trouble or distress, the devil will attempt to take you and me as far as possible in hopes of removing our faith away from our Savior. And pastors will tell you that when someone in their congregation has gone through some traumatic stuff, maybe the loss of someone or a relationship breakup or some health concerns, be careful on their behalf because those are the times the devil likes to see if he can get his hands into things and really, really mess up people's spiritual lives. Now, the sense you get here from our text is that Peter, for a short time, the devil succeeds in gaining the upper hand on him. It's a minor victory of Satan. It's only temporary. It's not final and complete. But Jesus' words imply that Peter did for a time leave him. And that's why he needs to be returned. Dr. Walther, back in the 1800s, wrote a line that every time I read it really stuns me. And it says this, there may be times that we have fallen from grace that we don't even realize. That's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. That there may be times in my life when I've been so tempted to sin against God and take my sin so casually and act like it's no big deal and my heart starts to dry up as far as my love for my Savior and I can still outwardly look like I'm saying all the right things, but maybe inside start to almost die about Christ. That's a terrifying thought that we may at times, more than we realize, Walter says, have fallen from grace. In heaven, once God has restored us in heaven, how how we're going to look back on things in life maybe with a little different perspective than we, than we maybe thought of them in this world and in this life. Notice here Jesus' personal concern for the spiritual life of Peter and it's no different than how he is about you as well. Notice how well our Lord knows the details, the details of the temptation. He knows the details of the fall that's going to take place. He knows the details of how and when this is all going to happen. He knows the ins and outs better than the devil himself would know. And notice also how concerned he is to have Peter come back and stay in the faith, to have him return to him. And he has the same kind of heart toward you. Okay, no matter what the temptation is or what thing right now is making you think, wow, have I actually fallen away at some point? Notice the magnetic love of your Savior that wants you to return and is working and, and even praying. Think of that. The Son of God praying to his Father to help Peter get through this situation so that he can return to him. Think of what, our, what a loving Lord that we have who, who wants to call us back. And through the process of repentance of our sins, he, he lovingly wants to bring us back into his fold and and to once again show us his grace and his mercy, irregardless of what the sin has been that maybe has caused us even to fall away. I love the line when Jesus says to him, when you have returned to me. That activity in his heart that's going to make that happen is something God has induced, God has done inside of him. And that's our Lord's ultimate concern for his sheep is that they come back to the shepherd and be under his care. And we know the rest of the story, don't we? God the Holy Spirit not only records Jesus' prophecy about the incident and then his fall, but we also know how he was restored. God the Holy Spirit made sure to include the follow-up, if you will, with Peter. And how Jesus brings him back. When after he has gone to the cross to atone for all of his sins, and yours and mine as well, and after he rises again from the dead, victoriously defeating death, Jesus now comes to Peter again, and he speaks to him one-on-one, face-to-face. The same eyes that turned and looked at him in his sin now look at him with compassion and love and mercy and tenderness And he speaks to him and asks him, Peter, do you love me? Wanting to bring him back into that kingdom. And isn't it interesting that of all the people, Peter here is the one that God will now, that Christ will now take and put at the tip of the spear of his work. He takes sinful fallen people who are weak like us, all of us, And yet he he loves us, he wants us to return, he causes that to happen in our hearts, he forgives us every sin we've ever done, he graciously, mercifully covers us with his righteousness and his holiness, he gives you the promise of heaven, and on top of it, he sets you out into the world to do his work, to spread the wonderful truth of the gospel in whatever way you and I can do that in our various vocations in life. That's, that's, the ultimate, that's the ultimate picture from Christ in a way of how deep his love is for us. That he not only takes us back and is going to take us to heaven someday, but that he even decides, I'm going to use you to go out into the world and into your family's lives and other people's lives to be the very ones that bring grace to them. Can you imagine, can you imagine the kind of conversations Peter had with people after this had happened to him? later on in his ministry when he would talk to people about how he had fallen and how jesus restored him can you imagine how how excited he was to tell them of how the tremendous forgiveness and grace that he had in his lord that's exactly the same thing that christ has worked in us and in our hearts as well the gospel is this evangelistic thing that just comes out of christians and wants other people to know of the same marvelous Savior. What a blessing it is to belong to this gracious Lord. Amen. Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.